Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 15. In this episode, my friends and I talk more about the Christian life. We talk about adoption in particular, as well as homeless ministry. And then we launch out into a broader conversation about the Christian calling as such and what it looks like to live on mission. I hope you enjoy. Hey. <laughs> hey guys. Hey, we're back. Hello. Fine. <laughs> Let's see him. Hi. Hello. How's everyone doing? Fine. <laughs> everyone. A little tired. Tell me how you are doing, David. I'm doing fantastic, actually. Whoa, fantastic. Are you saying that just so I'll get, get off your back? No, I actually am doing pretty good. I was uh, I playing. I was I wasn't gonna be on the podcast. I was gonna go hang out with a friend of mine. The Pakistani, Pakistanian. No, <laughs> I was gonna hang out with a friend of mine, but I got rescheduled to another day. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, oh, yeah. Tomorrow for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow for lunch. We're going Thanks to for the uh, invite. Big goings going on to, uh, in the uh, Olive Garden, David. Oh, to get a burger, right? Yeah, to get a hamburger. <laughs> How you doing, Peter? I'm doing fine. Um, I'm just experiencing some spiritual growth from work from my personal situation I had to meet about, and um, and I experienced grace and mer- got the Lord's grace and mercy from the situation, and um, it's yeah. So let's say I guess I've I've been blessed. Neat. Hashtag, Hashtag blessed. blessed. Hashtag mm-hmm. too blessed to be stressed. It, Hashtag stressed still, is, even though I'm blessed. Is that actually from something? Yeah. Hashtag blessed? Yeah. yeah. Hashtag blessed. I, I First think, of all, the cops was, are looking for yeah. someone near my house, apparently. The, the helicopter didn't come until Peter came. I honestly yeah. think Isn't that it's a plane a, going to the little airport right I there? think that's a helicopter. It's, is it helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Molly Cyrus. I think she did that. Like, mm-hmm. Hashtag blessed. Oh, I just thought I remember it being so. some like SNL skit of hashtag blessed. Oh. Anyway, so or was it Justin Bieber? Oh, what is something that's on point? Mm, in case you haven't noticed, oh. <laughs> something funny happened this week about my future. About your future? No, about what happened to him. <clears throat> about what happened to? Oh, him. I got pulled over. Yeah. For the first time, you did. For the first, I didn't get a ticket or anything. But this is the first time in maybe a decade. Uh, it was it was 2011 last time that I was pulled over, and uh, dude, Sam, you're gonna love this because you and I, we both massively share a pet peeve. Okay. Which is a traffic thing, and tell me right now what it is. Um, well, I'm. Wondering what you're referring to specifically, because there's a lot of things that there's bother something me. that really massively ticks like, both of us off. People not using their turn signals. It's similar to that. Um, windshield wipers not using their windshield wipers. No, people do that often. So it has something to do with uh, turn signal, sure. Like people just <clears throat> like tailgating and no. cutting you off, or what? Going uh, from between lanes like this. Come on, you're so close. So it has to do with changing lanes. Right. Changing lanes in an intersection. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. So, I, I was I I didn't know where you're going. So with that. okay, I'm I'm driving home from was this where was Saturday? This? this was Saturday. Oh yeah, because I was at church Saturday night. So I'm driving home and uh, I'm most of the way here, and cop lights behind me, and I'm like, whoa, really? I, I had zero idea what it was. And so I pulled into, I, I like pulling into a parking lot yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. I don't like just being off on the side of the road. So anyway, the place I pull my car, I pull into a parking lot and I pull into the space. Okay. So the cop, his, you know, my, my back is toward the lane, you know, and the cop just stays in the lane with his front of his car near the back of my car and like perpendicular to me. So he's blocking traffic. Okay. Uh, well, just in the parking lot. He's also okay. blocking you from escaping. That, okay. I think that was the point, yeah. Sure. Uh, well, I feel like I could have outrun this guy. Anyway, <laughs> so he gets out, and it I could tell it's a young cop. He's probably like, you know, 23, something like that. Um, and he said, and I already had my license and registration out and everything. And he said that he pulled me over for changing lanes in an intersection. And I, I mm. gave him this look, not like disrespectful or anything, but I just gave him this like, what? Like I partially like I, I really didn't know if I did do it, but also I really doubt what you're saying. And then when I when he saw that look, he said, well, changing lanes within 100 feet of an intersection. What? And what? I, I was like, OK, well, here's my license and registration. I honestly didn't know that was a thing. And, uh, yeah, it might be somewhere in a book, but I very vehemently do not change lanes in an intersection. There are like a few things that are big pet peeves of mine. And we've talked about this, Sam, you and Mm -hmm. I before, how it just, when people do that, it's like, could you not wait? Could you not wait? Like the, the second and a half it will take you to be out of that intersection. Anyway, so he took my stuff, he came back and he gave it to me and, uh, he was like, all right, well just drive safe. Have a good night. Mm. (laughs) It's like you too, man. The reason I found it funny is because literally the day the before... the previous night, we, we, all, like we he, thought we were going to get pulled yeah, over. Yeah, I was like, he was, like was looking for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, so that was that was weird. And also, man, I, I broke a streak of, like, the last last time I got pulled over, I was living in Gainesville. That mm. means it was 2011. Uh, but you didn't get a ticket. So. I didn't get a ticket. I didn't get anything like that. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, I'll let you off with a warning. It was just, all right, drives, you know... Drive safe out there. Have a good mm-hmm. night. And I don't know if he's like really, really Oh, was that fresh. night? Yeah, it was at nighttime. Yeah, just picking random people. And he probably was like, white guy. Damn. Oh, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Last time I got pulled over, I think it was yeah, three years ago. Uh, because one of my left headlight was uh, was demo than my white headlight. So you just told me like, hey, letting you know, oh, man, your left headlight is like a little bit more unique that fixed. That's when you know, because okay. when I was, you remember, I, I guess I was a teenager because we were in high school. Sam, I got pulled over. I mean, you weren't with me or anything, but I feel like I would have told you I got pulled over on the way home from a Halloween, Halloween? party. Yes. Yeah. And it was because <laughs> one of my two tag lights, you know, the lights that illuminate your your license plate. One of the two of those was out. Oh, wow. And it's like, whoa. Really? If I remember Come correctly, on, even though I wasn't there, I think I remember this part of the story. You were dressed as a cowboy, right? I was dressed and as a cowboy, and guns. I had two fake guns uh, in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they had the orange right, you know, right. thing on the tip of them. But then wasn't Nick also dressed 
like one of the uh, soldiers from 300. A bunch so, of the guys were. So they, they, he was shirtless and just had like a red cape or something yeah. on, right? And like they did not have the chiseled physiques uh, of the Spartans. Dude, I'm going to dress like that, that next time. Just be shirtless. Dude, you got to hit the gym with us. <laughs> oh, why are you laughing? You're laughing. Because it's laughable. You know, so you got this uh, medium large. Papa John's pizza. I want to eat it all. Large. That's a large. Well, you did tell me that I could have whatever you didn't. Yeah. Eat. So, yeah, so you have until midnight. And, and then, then it turns into I'm gonna a pumpkin. Pumpkin pizza. Neat. <laughs> so we have a yeah, thing. We have a thing we want to talk about, which is really broad. Um, but it's something we've talked about before, and I'd like it to be something that we revisit, you know, just from time to time. Uh, just holiness. You know, I, I started off the first few podcasts asking, like, how's everybody doing? How do you feel about where you are in life right now? And then even just, you know, what are you doing to pursue holiness in your life right now? Not necessarily... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in internally and externally, so... Yeah. David, you said you had some thoughts. You said you'd be interested in sharing. But anybody's free to I mean, someone else can go first. I, I'm just kind of like... Forgetting. Um, <clears throat> holiness. Oof. Like what? When someone says holiness to me... Like, okay, well, first thing I think is like, well, be more like Jesus. Obvious Bible question. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but... Oh man, like, what what am I pursuing to be like? Like, are you asking like, when am I being like, maybe more like Jesus or just? I mean, it's kind of open ended. Like, what what are you doing to pursue? Yeah, like like righteousness. Um, you could say, you know, that your life would be in alignment with the life of Christ. That the things that you're pursuing would be in alignment with what God would have you to pursue. Um, oh, okay. You know, just all those sorts of things. Like I said, it's really broad. But it's something I do want to kind of revisit from time to time. Right. Because uh, I think this is one of the most important things we can talk about. So one thing I do feel like uh, he has been calling me for, and I actually have put applications in. Um, I got one call back, um, but I got declined because there's too much volunteer work, surprisingly. But I do want, I think I do have a calling to um, just like work with children, younger kids, like an orphanage. So I worked, there's an orphanage uh, down in um, St. Cloud. Really? Yeah. No, no, not, not like, I don't know if it's like an actual one, but like, like with the taking like young kids yeah. and stuff. And uh, I put an application there. I did the background check and everything. Um, and they said like they don't need me. Mm. So like I, but that has, that is something I am pursuing. Like I do want to work with young kids, and just especially kids who just don't really have parents. I think that's one thing mm. I'm like really, really compassionate about. You should adopt a kid, bro. I do. I really do. Actually, it's funny. I have. I, Talk to my parents about this. If I'm not, and this, I don't know, this could change. I'm young. But I was like, man, if I'm not married, by the time I'm 30, I do want to adopt. I, I really want to adopt. I think, I, I just really have a, I honestly do have a really big passion about kids who just don't have parents. That's That really touches my heart a lot. Especially, like, it's not only because I was adopted, it's just because, like, I kind I understand, like it, it sucks, and I, and I understand like kids who are adopted, just kind of understand like having their mindset. Um, I tell so I made a video for my dad, 
encouraging parents to adopt and just encouraging kids to adopt yeah <laughs> no, encouraging kids like who are adopted and what they're going what they're thinking tell the parents what they most likely what they're thinking hmm. so when i was adopted i thought like am i going to be treated any differently because i was adopted i, I didn't come from how parents. old were you when you were adopted uh, i was uh, three years old okay. yeah hmm. um but like growing up, I you could like my parents never hid it from me that I was adopted. But I, I definitely thought like, am I am I going to be treated differently? You know, I was never treated differently. Thank goodness for that. But it's just it does come to that mindset like how people stare at you, how people look at you, how they see the family, especially if it's a different color. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually I don't know. Ever since then, like ever since like when I was really young, actually, I I've always had a I felt like I had a heart for young kids, especially kids without parents. And so I really, really do want to, like, go out and reach my hand out um, to help these young kids. Even if it's not, like, me adopting, it's just, like, building a relationship with them. You know, just have, they have someone to look forward to. Um, so, there's a, actually, there's a missionary, uh, Seth Powell. He just adopted a kid from Colombia. And there was this little girl that came up to him and said, like, I asked her, like, can you not adopt him? Because, like, that was his, that's, she, all her friends have gone to different families. And that was her, like, last friend. Mm. And that, that, actually, that, reading his status about this little girl who needs to be adopted into her family, that just really touched my heart again. I'm like, dang, like, it, it sucks. I must, it must feel terrible to have, to see your family. You see your friends that that you've grown really close to in the orphanage, you see them go into a happy family, and you're still stuck, and then you just end up being alone. Um, mm. I, I've said this in previous podcasts. I think everyone knows. I would just children are just a huge, huge blessing. I think, and I think children just have a huge, really touch my heart every time it comes to any type, anything to do with children. Um, so I I really would love to work with young kids. It doesn't have to be like. Offense, but it would, it would be for that. Hmm. But yeah, <clears throat> I think that I think that's one thing I like. If I could say if I have anything like really passionate about, like that's not like video games or movies stuff like that, <laughs> it, it would be uh, young kids, children, just hmm. trying to help them, and especially like having. I'm not saying I know exactly what they're saying, but just having like a similar mindset, just understanding what they, what they're talking about and what what they're, what they're thinking, what they're going through. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. You know, like we're interested in adoption. At the same time, Nicole's really apprehensive because of, right now, even just having to deal with her own health problems. I guess she feels that in ways it would be too much to bring someone else into it, mm-hmm. but it's something that we that we talk about that we have discussions about, you know, from time to time. The uh, the one thing I don't, the one thing that kind of gets me frustrated about adoption is that like, why is it so freaking expensive? Like yeah. it's so expensive, and like I, I could be wrong. Like you can tell me if I'm wrong. But I, I just feel like a lot of churches just don't really put that much money into. You know, I feel like especially adoption. I feel like especially like with a church that's like, oh, like 
in the Bible it says a lot of children are blessing, you know, you follow the um God's the father, the fatherless, you know, it's just about like they talk about children a lot in there in church. I I feel like I'm yeah, I could be wrong. I just feel like a lot of churches just don't have that as a priority. I'm not saying it should be a priority, but I feel like it no, should be. No, I think be. it should. Like, I think I should uh, be really high up there. Like they should put a lot of more money and time and just investing and in, encouraging people to adopt. I just don't really see that in a lot of churches. I would love to be a part of a church that had like you know an arm of ministry that was specifically to orphans and like adoption agencies and foster care system and and placing people into like placing kids who have no control over you know where they wind up like trying to purposefully place kids into christian homes like i think that i mean the, the family is plan a for evangelism you know and for the for the spreading of the gospel and and there's a lot more that needs to be happening of course but like man i, I just feel like that's a great place to start yeah you know and i i just think not only that like help fund and just like to support i think i think there should be more volunteer work i so it's funny like so yeah it's it's interesting to me to hear you say like oh we have enough volunteers like yeah that, you, it's that interesting you right phone up a place like this and they're like oh no thanks we have all the help yeah we need. i think it might have been unless they just thought of, you were creepy yeah maybe because yeah. like COVID. covid maybe but like it's yeah. weird that they did say something else like really weird <clears throat> but i think Man, I would love to do this, like, it doesn't have to be the same people, like, with the same passion as me, but if you just get a group of people, just go over there and just put love in these kids, kids. <clears throat> I mean, it's, I bet, I bet you feel the same way with, like, with your uh, kids at church, like, just, just see them, like, how much they've grown, and just see, like, I just would love to see that, just how much, like, I want to build a relationship with a kid, and just, like, check up on him, on her, and just bunch of them, and just see how much they can, can grow, and just, like, love on them, because... Being in like orphanage, being orphan is like, like nothing. Nothing is permanent. Like your friends, like you don't like you. Everyone's friends just you know they eventually you know go away, but it's the family that really like sticks with yeah. you. And these kids don't have that family. Like they don't have someone they can like lean back on. It's just, well, my friends are gone. I'm never gonna see them again. And I just. Yeah. I'm just going to make new friends, and they're going to leave eventually. It's just and, and a lot of kids in the foster care system feel that way about the people who are supposed to be their families. You know, it's like, okay, well, I got placed in this home. I wonder how long this will last, you know, maybe six months, and then they'll probably put me in another place. I might be there for a couple of years, and they just, they, it's, it's so sad to think that they learn at a young age not to connect mm. and not to attach, because it's like if I attach then, you know, probably we'll have a good couple months and then I'll be yanked out of here and put somewhere else, which is why, you know, uh, it's still better than nothing as far as, you know, trying to affect their lives. But, oh, gosh, it's it's heartbreaking. And there's a sense in which, there's a sense in which I'm, like, philosophically and theologically opposed to youth ministry because you were saying, like, me with youth ministry and, like, like, Yet here I am, you know, in youth ministry. Um, and part of that is because a lot of the emphasis is on parents uh, handing off their kids to someone else for that person to be the one who theologically trains them. And, like, I, I never had a youth pastor when I was a kid. I never really had, we didn't have, like, a youth ministry. We had 
we had a youth group and like we had some teens or we had some uh you know even when I was younger than that but we didn't have like a youth pastor and it's just weird for me to think some of the kids that are in pursuit like this is my this is like my sixth year with them and I have been viewed by them as like their main theological trainer and everything for the past six years and yet you know that that role is supposed to be and a lot of them have parents you know and so it's like that role is supposed to be filled by the parents but instead it's just some guy you know which i feel like i have good intentions but yeah yeah family yeah. is a, a much deeper connection than yeah that. and it's just sad like my do like for instance like a little girl my friend just says she said like well, how come nobody wants me how come nobody loves me and just oh that's just really like hard to like and I also feel like, I'm, uh, I, again, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like a lot, the reason people don't adopt is because, one, like, it, it is scary, and two, it's it's really expensive, but two, like, I'm not saying the post's name, but, like, they were saying, like, I don't really want to adopt because I feel like the child want to be mine, and, like, the child want to see me as the guardian, like, the parent. And that, that I I can honestly say that is not true at all. Like that, that is not one hundred percent not true at all. Like I I've told. So you say you never struggled with like viewing. I won't say your parents' first names, but like you know, with with viewing them as your legitimate parents, or like there was no. Uh, so I won't be honest. At the beginning, I did just because. Things in the past. I was scared of, um, but like now I grew up, I grew into loving them, and like I didn't, I never thought of going and seeing my Korean parents. I thought of them as my parents. Mm-hmm. Like I tell my uh, a lot of people who adopted, I I tell them like, like I, all the kids you've adopted, what a blessing you put into their lives. It's like you didn't, the kids. I didn't grow in my mom's stomach, but I did grow in her heart. And I think that's a really, Aww. yeah. It's I like do. a throw pillow, you know. Like you should sleep on. Give her a, yeah. give her a throw pillow with that on it. I grew in a heart, and like I, I it is the older. I'm telling anyone who's ever listened to this, like if you've ever adopted, I promise you that the kids gonna grow up. The older they get, the more they realize. And I mean, I, I think about this all the time. It's like that kid is gonna love you more and more, just appreciate you more and more every single time. Because every time I'm with my family. Every time that I see all the success I've been through, uh, all the struggles, I know I wouldn't have had it if they hadn't chosen to adopt me. Like, I don't know where, I would not be the person I am today, I would not be a Christian if it wasn't, if they hadn't willingly sacrificed some of their time to adopt me. And um, I, I think it's a huge blessing. I think children should really be more of a priority in churches. It's just because, like, what an impact you're putting in those kids. Even if you're not talking, just build a relationship with them, I think. And also, like, I want to work with orphans and stuff, but this one is going to be maybe more, like, sensitive. Um, I'm going to say it. I kind of also would like to work with orphanage kids and orphanage kids that have, like, been abused and stuff. Mm. I think that's, uh, that's just really heartbreaking to me. Kids have gone through abuse or like sexual I think that just 
it's just not right. Like that's immoral. Like that that just scars a kid forever. Like I just can't even imagine. Like it's it, it's it's awful. But um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about it, like the entire time. But I, no, I you're just good. think, man. I I just want to. I try to encourage as many like people as I can to like. I'm not saying you have to adopt. It's just open up, open your heart, open, have a mindset of, like with kids. Like go, go volunteer at some place. Um, and um, dude, you got to find dude, out like this... what the next step is for you, because like this, this is obviously, and not just lately, but this has always been you know a big thing in your heart, and it's something that's impacted you individually and and the course of your life so i think you need to be like looking into what kind of okay what kind of certifications do i need to get what kind of you know um not not classes but you know how whenever you work with kids you have to get like background check and you have to watch ridiculous videos about you know harassment like there's i work with the youth ministry and we if you're gonna work with the kids it's like i have to make you watch all these videos and then take this quiz that's so insanely like this is just a box for someone to check for our insurance agency to to charge us less for liability coverage i'm guessing because it's like it's questions like okay is it appropriate to touch children in their bathing suit area yes or no like true or false i mean okay they're not all like that but you know a bunch of them are like that and i'm like this is I, I get why we're doing this and we also do the background check and we do, you know, code of ethics and in-person training and everything like that. So it's not like we're just leaving it up to that test, but uh, taking those tests and getting background checks and things like that, like those are going to be hoops that you have to jump through later. And uh, I think this is definitely something that you should be pursuing just because your heart is so in it and it's something that God's heart is in, you know, as far as, you know, the widow and the orphan. Like, that's true religion, undefiled. Um, So if you believe that that's a big part of God's mission for you and his plan for your life, like, you got to be pursuing the next steps toward that, you know. But, I mean, you do a lot. Like, you do a lot of, uh, as far as, like, I I feel like your life has a good trajectory and you're young, but. Yeah. yeah. That's that's meant to be encouragement. No, yeah, I think not. I it, it I was I'm not gonna lie, I was heartbroken when they called and said like hey like we don't need any volunteers right now before I'm like mm. and just because I know like I'm not saying they're doing the they're doing it wrong like incorrectly but I just know like if I if I was able to get that chance I know I could make I all honestly would feel like I would be the best one just really like putting having these kids really investing like really I'm not saying they're not gonna care but I would really seriously like really care for these kids. And just, just go because, online, oh, find man. places. I mean, I'm sure in Osceola County, Orange County, like there's got to be more than just that one place. So if they're if they're open, and you know, it's it's not a it's not a time when a lot of places are open. Yeah. But there's yeah. a so Get after I, it. So next time there is something I'm gonna do. Is, uh, so next time I go back to uh, go back to Bolivia. My brother Ben did this. A lot of people do this when they go on mission trips. They, it's a, oh, God, what's it called? I'll think of it in a minute. But, like, what you do is you go there and uh, you take a kid from an orphanage 
you just spend the entire day with them. Like you go like take them to the parks, you feed yeah. them, you take them to like all the things they couldn't be able to go. Um, like my brother, he took this him and his wife took this kid, took her to, uh, to the parks, took her to like the really nice restaurants, the movie theaters, and just loving this kid, just paying for it, taking him to ice cream and like just spoiling this kid. Mm. Um, I mean that's something I would love to do just because that's. That that kid's gonna remember that forever, Man. even if you couldn't adopt. I uh, feel like that'd be hard, what? just to to, not that I wouldn't do it, but it's like, man, I'm, plugging into this kid's life and loving on them and and showering them with all this, you know, affection and and spoiling them and and then it's like, having to take off after that, yeah. you know. And I know That's you can stay hard. in touch if you want, you know. You can you can probably get the orphanage's information and. And stay in touch with them, but I, I, I feel like I'd be like, okay, now how much for this kid? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the and, end of it. But I think what really hurts, what really, really hurts, is because of kids' mind is like, and I thought the same thing. It's like, wow, nobody, nobody loves me. Like, not even my own parents mm. who gave birth to me didn't even love me. Like, there was no way someone else could ever. <clears throat> and that's, oh, man. So sad to hear that kids just think like nobody loves them. Yeah, that's hard. Even, I mean, not to discount that at all, but like I even find kids that have their parents saying that and thinking that. And it's like they just think they haven't earned love or they think that, you know, people have turned their back on them. And then, you know, for an orphan especially, just to, to, not be convinced that there's anyone who cares about you is tragic. And I said, like, even after <clears throat> you tell the orphan kid, like, tell the Bible that like, God is the father to the fatherless, that's still like that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't mean crap to them. Like, they're like, oh, I'm still like, okay, that doesn't make me any happier, that doesn't make me more comfortable, like, doesn't make no, it's just like, I still don't have one, I still don't have a someone who loves me, it just. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's just awful to heal that, not especially after hearing my friend's dad. It's like, hey, please adopt this little girl because he just adopted a little boy. It's like, please, please adopt this little girl. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if I could say anything, if I could change anything, it would be, children need to put more money and effort into adopting and just encouraging people instead of saying. Hey, these these five kids. Please pray for them, mm. and we're gonna pay for their shoes. And freaking Africa. <laughs> okay, well, guys, we don't have enough money to pay our pastor, <laughs> or pay our to pay for the playground outside. So we need more money of that. But yeah. hey, those kids, five kids in Africa, got shoes. They're fine. Like, yes, yeah. that uh, and that is. I think that's something a lot more people would adopt if it was not so prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Like. It's something that, not even like the cost of having a child, but even just like the cost of adoption fees is so bananas. And it's like, do you want these kids to be able to find homes or? Yeah, especially outside the country because you have to fly there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) But it's less restrictive than other things. Yeah. Well, I feel some countries are really strict. Like South Korea, the only people allowed to adopt are Americans. They don't yeah. let you know, only mm-hmm. Americans are allowed to adopt in South Korea. Huh. 
Not North Korean. <laughs> and South Korean means they don't or help. Central Koreans? Central. Central. Korea. South yeah. Central. Oh, yeah, that's something I want to bring up. You're, earlier, you are talking about, like, oh, churches need to put more effort into adoptions. And I was part of a church back in Lakeland. They have a service called the Compassion House. And what their primary function is that they put prepare food for homeless soldiers and homeless people. They they line up. We They give them the food. So they have... Uh, groceries throughout the day or they have something to eat yeah it, it was a really cool um experience to be a part of that and um they operate like every friday morning mm. yeah i think homeless ministry is great and i maybe it's just that i see more of that and i don't see as much you know uh specifically like trying churches trying to help people adopt and you know sponsoring orphanages and all that kind of stuff that i'm i'm with you david just like my heart goes out and i I wish more part of me is like okay i wish more churches were doing this okay what do i need to do as an individual you know because i can i can't affect change everywhere in every church but i can i can do what i can do yeah you know that's i mean that's all i want i just want if i could just have one kid if i could just have like you, you don't need to give me. I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I will be able to spend time with a whole bunch of kids. But if they could just, they say, hey, we only spend time with one kid. I'll take it. Like I would put so much time with that kid. I'll, I'll, I'm like I even told my dad, like I'm willing to even go part time with my job to freaking help this hmm. to volunteer. Don't yeah. say it if you don't mean it. No, I'll call I, you out on it. No, I really would, man. Like, I really would just cut back my hours of work. You know how important, like, my hours of work are for me. But, I mean, I really would. Just, if I could. Yeah. I'll be fully, like, a younger kid. But, I mean, I could just do it at this now. Well, that brings up a good point that I was going to say. Is that even with just fostering kids, um, it's always a lot harder for older kids to find homes because mm. everyone wants the young ones yeah everyone wants yeah. the the infants or the toddlers but they don't want the teenagers you mm. know and that's why there's stuff like uh grace landing yeah um yeah. which is you know helps helps uh older teens that still have never been adopted and uh people they actually have uh people they hire people to, to live there with the kids and be a constant influence with them and that's even that's for kids who have aged out of yeah that's actually at the point where they've so aged they're like out, eighteen yeah. nineteen mm-hmm. some of them twenty years old and you know it's trying to connect them with jobs trying to connect them with communities that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, yeah but uh, speaking of homeless ministry yeah. um, that that's something that I've I've uh, had more of a passion for as far as if you want to call it striving for holiness, what, uh, this was something I wanted to bring up too um, before I say any more about uh, homeless ministry. But would it, what would be the most proper way to say this? Because you said seeking out holiness, but like, like Christ makes us righteous and holy. So would it be better to say like instead of seeking out like holiness, like we know that we are made righteous because of God and you know, that's not something that we can do. So it's like, would it be better to say like striving to, uh, you know, just follow Christ as opposed to like 
trying to strive for holiness. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, you have the whole justification, sanctification thing. Yeah. It's like Christ has accomplished the justification. So it's not that I'm trying to attain a status of, like, being right before God, because I'm already right before God because of the work that Jesus has done. Right. But in the same sense, it's like, you know, kind of, I guess just the way that Paul means it when he says, like, he presses toward the mark and he's, he's, you know, trying, he's following after Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's imitating Christ. So holiness to me would just be that which is in alignment with the character and nature of Christ. Right. So. Well, in that regard, I, one thing where I, I try to strive to be the best I can with it when opportunities arise, even though there's plenty that have passed me by that I wish I could have done something or done more, but um, it is home um, people that are homeless. I always try to help. Um, and as of the last, you know, two or three years, I've become good friends with some homeless people. Yeah. Um, and yeah I actually was just that. hanging out with one of them yesterday. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's, that, that's tough though because that's another just like with adoption and, and um, foster care it's another huge area that you know there's so much potential for change because it's very attainable but it's just not being done mm. you know um, and ultimately as much as I enjoy being able to hand someone you know a little bit of cash or buy them some groceries or something and talk with them for a while and pray with them if they let me it's like you know i don't ultimately know how much whatever effort i put in there what i do is going to affect them i don't know how much it's going to but um at the same time it's really minuscule compared Mm. to what should really be done you know like there's um you know there's there's uh, Christian and non-Christian organizations that do something that's much better where to help with the systemic problem of homelessness. They, they don't, uh, you know, th- they talk about not focusing on, you know, if someone comes up to you while, while you're at a red light and then giving them some cash, it's more of mm. invest in this organization, I- invest mm. in us because we're training people to be able to make a business for themselves so that huh. they're going to be what's yeah. the name of this thing um well, what one of them that i know of, which is not a christian one um our, our pastor knows of some others he had mentioned to me before but the one i know about is called heifer international heifer heifer yeah well, like a like a is that a cow yeah it's a female cow i think yeah. i think that has to do with uh organizations that they would give a cow yes that's... to a family and then they would be able to milk and milk right. the cow sell the milk yeah, so um, that, that one specifically is more about yeah. that sort of thing. Heifer but. International. Mm-hmm. Seems yeah. like such a non, uh, you know, corporate networky name. Right. <laughs> I kind of love it. Yeah. You know? I actually found out about it because of a, a an author uh, who, like, that's his other thing he does besides writing novels is, is, is dealing with that. Huh. Um, but, yeah, so there's plenty of organizations that do things like that, uh, but I don't think they're as prevalent as they should be and that's also focused more on like you know other countries not specifically in the states you know you wouldn't necessarily give someone in the states a cow to try to make a living (laughs) you know um but that is something that gets pointed out a lot is like how a lot of people especially with international um benevolence or charity the work that they think is helping actually winds up hurting Mm -hmm. you know like you uh 
you dump 3,000 t-shirts on a village and then it's like these older women who are working to, you know, as seamstresses to to be able to put clothing together for people and to, to support themselves. Now they're totally out of what was helping them kind of make their living. Um, so, man, it's like getting getting those things right is is difficult enough as is. There is a website, I think it's called givewell.org. Have you guys ever heard of this? I don't think so. It's it's really interesting, and um, I'm curious as to what you guys think about the philosophy behind this. Basically, it's like, okay, if you, if if I could find out, like I'm I'm gonna try to crack the code. What could you do with your charitable dollars? that would maximize the either quality of life improved or even just lives saved. And um, they've come up with a list of like 10 charities that they try to support. And they're like, you know, you can give to any of these. They don't they don't make any money off of this. They're really transparent about uh, mistakes they've made in the past. Like they have a whole running list of uh, errors that they've made in their calculations in the past. Um, and it's like, okay, you could... You could do this thing that, that makes you feel like you're, uh, you know, helping out, like give this kid shoes or whatever and, and uh, you know, give this kid a backpack for um, this. Or how about this? If you gave for for every, I think it's like $900 that you give to this one organization that pretty much all they do is they give pesticide treated mosquito nets to families in sub-Saharan Africa. And that's like all they do. I forget what it's called. Uh, it, one of them is called like the malaria fund and, uh, but they're not funding malaria. I just want to make that right. clear. Um, and it's like, look, statistically $900 given to this organization, you're saving a human life. And it's like, think about, um, how you would feel if when you were 19, uh, there was a house that was on fire and you ran in and you saved a child like from burning to death. And like you, you brought them out. It's like, you're literally doing that with giving $900 to this organization and they make sure that they're organizations that keep very little for themselves and like you know they don't have a lot of overhead they're most of the money that you give is going to you know the helping people to not die um or you know it's it's pesticide treated mosquito nets it's uh vitamin a supplements for like newborn babies because vitamin a deficiency is like the number one um cause of what is it? They just they become susceptible to a lot of different um, infections and illnesses in their infancy if they don't have enough vitamin A. Um, there's a bunch of them. There's like a, a top ten list, mm-hmm. and it's like you can give to us, and we will give uh, equally to all of these charities, or you can give to them, and we don't take a cut at all. Um, so I think that that's really interesting. But one thing that they say is they're almost if you read what they say, it's almost like they they tell you, look, you can give money to that homeless guy or to that homeless organization, but your money will go so much further toward actually saving lives and improving the quality of lives if you give it to these organizations, like in a way that's calculable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, now, I don't like the idea of kind of shooing people away from giving to their own community and, and trying to support their own uh, local community and those who are struggling, you know, within arm's reach of them. 
But at the same time, it's like they do kind of have a point where if I gave an amount of money to this organization statistically, I'm saving human life. So, But, but also speaking to that, I feel like there's something to be said where... Cause I, and I, I've mentioned this in the past, just talking with you guys, uh, I think outside the podcast, but, but just like, you know, whenever there's a natural disaster, mm-hmm. there are organizations that go, you know, quickly to help people, you know, in need. Mm-hmm. And we know of celebrities that do that sort of thing too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's a big passion of theirs is to help people in need whenever there's some kind of major event that's going on. Um, but so like with what, uh, what you're talking about with these places to donate that money to that would actually save a life is is that really can you really equate that to personally even though it's not helping them in the long run with their physical needs like say say me helping someone get a meal Mm -hmm. and then sitting there with them and chatting Mm -hmm. with them and trying to pray with them and, and witness to them as opposed to giving nine hundred dollars to save a life that you will of someone you'll never know that will probably never hear you know never come yeah. to know Christ. Yeah, I mean, I think in as much as you can do both, go ahead and do both because right. I, you know, there there is value to giving to a charity just for the purpose of like reducing human suffering, even if there's, um, even if it's not a Christian organization. Now, I would always prefer to give through a Christian organization. Um, but I'm not going to say that someone is sinning if they're giving money to a secular, you know, mosquito net giving out fun charity right. thing. Um, but it's like we don't want to miss the most important thing, which is, you know, the, the, the spreading of the gospel, which is why I would say if in as much as you can do both, do both. Um, and it is true, like a lot more than most homeless people want a meal they want somebody to sit down with them. Mm-hmm. At least that's, you know, in my experience that I've had. It's like they're way more uh, affected by that. Yeah. Well, a lot so. of them feel ignored and unloved mm-hmm. the same way that, you know, people in the foster care system do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, just, I mean, if we're keeping in line with, you know, striving for holiness and, and, and follow Christ then I think if that is our ultimate goal in life is to do that, um, to live for him, then even if you do, you know, support some of these organizations that are, are, you know, in in the business of saving lives physically, I, I think much more so our focus ultimately should be on saving lives spiritually. Mm-hmm. So it's just a weird balance of where, where do you, where should you really fall? Well, how do you make it work? Yeah, it's like, okay, do you have to dial one down in order to dial the other one up? And I think most people, myself included, are operating in both fields at a level that I could dial both up, mm-hmm. you know? Like, one is not being held. It's not that, oh man, I'm just so gung ho about sharing the gospel that I'm not doing enough you know, supporting widows and orphans and, or, or vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, like I could, I could do, I could stand to do both. I mean, to me though, there is, there is a priority. Um, I don't, I don't know of any charitable organizations that do this, but like specifically ones that reach out to widows who are like my sisters in Christ in, let's say, 
Eritrea or uh, China, you know, like Christian Chinese widows that need um, support. Because I think I have, while I do have a call to show benevolence to all of mankind and to honor them as image bearers of God and to try to reduce human suffering, it's like, I think I have a, a special obligation to alleviate the suffering of my brothers and sisters. Like, um, was it in Matthew where Jesus says the thing about, like, I was sick and in prison and you visited me and I was hungry and you fed me oh, and I was, I was thirsty and I, what's that? The sheep and goats thing, right? No, it's, it's like I was, I was thirsty and you gave me water. I Actually, was, it is sheep yeah, goats. Matthew 17, right? 25? 25? Yeah, because when they ask. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how he divides them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sheep how goats, he divides yeah. them. Um, well, there's other, there's like a lot of yeah, sheep, all sheep yeah. and goading. Yeah. yeah. Not parables, yeah. You know, just sheeping around. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I think that in that passage, there is like this call toward doing that for the people of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I, part of me just thinks, okay, I'm in America and pretty much all the Christians I know, like they have food and they have shelter. So it's almost like, all right, do I need to pack up and go to China or go to, you know, Bolivia or wherever and just, you know, preach the gospel and then just think of all the lives you could totally change. Like if you took all, even, even us, like none of us are loaded unless anyone's, you know, holding out. Uh, but it's like, I could take all my money and I could take it to Bolivia and I could adopt probably several kids and build a house large enough to accommodate all of us and preach the gospel and start a church and, and start like a faith community and impact the lives of maybe hundreds. Well, that's like, um, I, I can't remember her name now, but you and I have talked about Katie. it. She's written a book. Uh, the book is called Kisses from Katie, right? Is I think so, about? yeah. I she, forget her last name. She adopted like, what, 25 kids? Yeah, she moved to Tanzania, Mozambique. I, I can't remember. Something like that. And she just adopted, and she was, she was a public school teacher. Mm. And she taught English. And so she goes over there originally to teach English to kids there. And, uh, and then she just wound up adopting a ton of them. Yeah, and and she was not married at the time yeah. either. She yeah. just went over there and wanted to Dude, love on these kids. And... David, you should go marry her. No, well, she's married now. Oh, okay. Yeah, straight to. You should go kill her husband and. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whoops. Uh. I mean, don't do that. <laughs> but hey, if you go over to Mozambique and adopt twenty kids, maybe someone will go over there with the purpose of marrying you. <laughs> but man. Like, every day, I don't move to Bolivia, you know? Right. And every day, I'm like... And, and not like, oh, I'm trying to sound super pious or anything, but there is a life I could be leading that would have such a radically deeper impact for the people of God and the mission of God, and every day, I don't do that. But here's an interesting question to go along with that. If we're all trying to seek out what we are to do for Christ is everyone supposed to live that radically. You ever, you've read the book radical, right? I actually haven't. I've read a little oh, bit. Oh dude, I have like three copies. I know. I, I keep, I, I give that book to especially people who are in their like late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Cause when I was in college, a professor uh, got that for me and he was like, this book will change your life if you let it. Mm-hmm. 
and he was right because it started the process of making me more and more reformed, right, which right. led me away from that college. Um, and that's when you but, were taking trips too. Was it? Yeah. Did you take trips because of that I, book? No, I, I had already been on the mission field before that, but that book made me think like, oh, I will be full time in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really serious about learning Spanish and uh, all just, you know, I was like, I, I, I dropped out of college. Right. Like I did not plan on finishing college because of, uh, I was like, well, I already know that I'm going to be full time on the mission field. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone was like, you should probably finish college because churches might not support you if they see that you start things that you don't finish. Right. So uh, anyway, I finished college and then I wound up having all those doors slammed in my face. But uh, very much so, like I read that book in a night. All right, I read most of it that night, and then I woke up the next morning and just finished it um, because it had such an impact on me. And it's like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I live so much of my life just for myself, and my life is having a far smaller impact. And, you know, I know predestination, all that kind of stuff, but... uh my life is having a far smaller impact for the kingdom of God than it could have if I were to live more radically. And every day I don't move to Bolivia. And part of it for me is like, you know, I have a wife that has health problems. and But I honestly think if we went, you know, it would be, it would be awful for her at the start, but I think it would be survivable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh... <clears throat> I think with the homeless thing and with like the whole with the children, I don't think if you if you're gonna put if you were like okay I want to commit my entire life to this I don't think it's gonna be like nothing of that's gonna be easy um, like what you said it's gonna be survival but like it just it's also kind of helps with me how like having a like kind of understanding of it and it just well, I think what really affects me the most is that like man like I know like what these kids are thinking going through and I I know exactly how they're feeling right now and I'm choosing to not do anything about it like I think that's what kind of gets me upset and then the next day, I'm like, okay, I think about it, like, oh, man, that makes me really, like, upset. That I know, like, these kids are going through this stuff. I know how they're feeling. But I'm going to go, okay, well, that's it. I'm going to go hang out with my friends now. and Watch an anime. Yeah, yeah watch an anime or go play some games. And just every single time, I'm like, it's like, God, like, if this, 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 I know you put this passion in me for a reason. Like. What, Dude, what you am need I to doing? Move to Bolivia. Yeah. Actually, do I do miss a lot of the kids there in Bolivia? Still, I still have their names. How? Uh, man, it is. Do it. Do any of your brothers still live in Bolivia? No, none of them. No, they all live in the states. Yeah. Uh, Faith is here now. Yeah. So, is it like more and more people are choosing to stay here? Yeah, just because like um, Bolivia, it is very politically unstable yeah, there. Really right bad now. right now. It's so kind fa- of that way here. My family. Uh, yeah. Not in the same way. Yeah, de- yeah. My family's going back in March. They're like they're trying to. They, oh. they got their passports back, but that's so sad. 
Yeah. I saw your dad yesterday. Yeah, he was telling us one. He's like, yeah. Just like, thanks, uh, David. I got in trouble by Travis. I'm like, why? Wow. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, I was yeah. totally. He knows no, no, I was yeah, joking. Yeah, he knows I was joking. But it's like, yeah, you yeah. told him you have a Super Bowl party. I'm like, well, it's about having a family. That could yeah. be a party, but yeah. <laughs> not a big. He knows I was messing. But, um. Dude, move down there with him. Yeah. No. Full time. Adopt like 20 kids. It's hard to marry, adopt down there. Marry it's hard a, to adopt. Marry a Bolivian woman. I would love to be a Bolivian woman. Actually, I had a crush on one Bolivian. Let's yeah. say you get married before you adopt. No, I do. That's fact. I do want to. And also, when I want to marry, I want to marry someone that just is open up for adoption. She's not open up for adoption. Marry uh, someone who works in an adoption agency. There you go. Oh, Have so an in. So, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Damn. But it's, and I'm not gonna say like I'm a saint or holy, but like yeah, it is. It's just tough. For, like, I know what these kids are thinking. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not doing anything about it. And like, I've ever had this thought come to me. Every single time it just goes away, I just build the stuff. But like, God, like I. I'm living, I live, breathe, and die. Like, is that, is that the reason why you died? Like, is that it? I'm just living here, breathing. And like, man, it, it, it does scale me. It really does. When I think about it, I'm like, if I were to die, what would God say to me? Like, I, well, I'm like, that, if, if, like, when I think about that stuff, like, for a long time, it's, it does scale me, like, God is gonna, like, if I were to die, God, what would you say to me? Would you even say, well done, good and faithful? Like, what, the things you would say to me, like, would I, what, are you proud of me? Or would, what I'm, am I doing what you're asking me to do? Have I been living like you? Have I, have I, have I been faithful to you? And man, like, for all eternity, what, when I see you, what what will you say to me? I think, like, part of it is, part of that line of thinking, like, can get you in trouble. Because if you were to honestly ask, have I been faithful? Then the answer is no, no. you haven't been. And if you were, if you were to ask, like, uh, you know, have I lived for God? The answer is no. no. Like, yeah. you've, 99% of your life has, has been not dedicated to God. But then it's like, okay, what is God going to say when he sees you? What God is going to say when he sees me is not predicated on, like, how good of a boy I was. Oh, yeah, like, how, how, yeah. But I do think, like, it is useful to think in those directions and just to think, okay, what, what am I doing with my life that when I die will have brought about a positive kingdom effect on the world i i think that's a good point to make what you just said because um that's what i was trying to say earlier where it's like our thoughts should not be focused on how can i be holy how can i be righteous because that's we have that the the status yeah the status of holiness or, or of righteousness because of Christ and his sacrifice and what he's given to us. So thinking of it more along the lines of what's the impact that can make for the kingdom for the sake of Christ 
is the way that I think we should be thinking about like how our life would have meaning. Yeah, in the I, end. I feel like I'm I'm okay still phrasing it that way, just because kind of like you have Paul, and in one sense he's like, hey, you have put on the new man, you have put on Christ, mm-hmm. and then elsewhere he'll be like, put on Christ, put on the new man, right. you know. So it's like you have been made holy, in a, like okay, definitely true. Like that is a true statement, but also, I should be pursuing holiness. Like I should be pursuing yeah. uh, the Christ-like life. And so I, I'm I'm okay using the word holiness with it. But I mean, if if you want to think of it, just as I I really like what you said. How can I be living in such a way to be impacting uh, the world for the kingdom? Yeah, we're just really getting at calling. Call, yeah, yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. Because it seems like that's yeah what we've talked about is calling. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that this has kind of become the theme that we weren't just kind of like talking about uh, philosophical, like the idea of holiness is like, okay, this this is all very practical, like workable, doable um, fields that we're talking about. Now, do you, now something like I would also say, it's like, I, feel, I don't know if everyone is called to like for adoption stuff. I think everyone should like, Hope with this, you know, how you see a homeless person mm-hmm. help with adoption. But I just want to, there are some people out there, especially like living in South America, we brought teams down. There were a lot of people there, their heart wasn't in the right place. They were there so that put on social media, hey guys, yep. look at me. Yep. I'm helping these kids out. I'm helping, and like, it, it's just all about like, hey, I'm doing a good thing. Like, right. and then, then there were other people who really like put their heart out on these kids and homeless people, and just really cared about them. And there's other people who are like, "Hey, selfie, look, guys, look how good I am." Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I think that's you just gotta. It, it, you can t- you can definitely tell who's the uh, you can tell the who's the te- Christians, who's, yeah, <laughs> and who's the. Satanists, these yeah, sheep and the goats. Yeah, and yeah. I'm Ooh, sure there are people that do um like take a picture of the event like there's people that do have genuine heart for the community and advertise it yet to um to other people so that they they can hear like what's going on with the like the serving opportunity yeah maybe. i agree with that yeah. but you but you can tell from the post yeah, yeah. what they say yeah it's what very, they say mm-hmm. and also differently. a lot of bible college kids are just totally insufferable when it comes to that sort of thing, yeah, See, it's like, did, you see pictures from my trip to Haiti? Well, that's how like yeah. uh, this mission trips. This photo, yeah. That's how <laughs> mission trips. A lot of them now are kind of shaped and advertised, you know. Yeah. Like it's oh. a oh. a field trip and. Oh. Yeah, yeah, man. That there's a lot about that that bothers me. Wait, it's like it? it's an excuse to travel. Oh. Like you'll right. you'll see the world and then like, oh, and also the gospel, but. Yeah. Well, we when we went to Mexico, like we were, you know, physically helping them, and we did take. I took pictures, and people took pictures as we were going around, but not to, you know, for the sake of selfie or just simply memories, but it was to also remember and and be aware of, just ten minutes across the border, how people yeah. were living. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think the one of important things I guess to think about or a question to attach to when it comes to calling isn't just what is like I think you need to really try to define what is our calling as Christians 
not so much as an individual. And then also, how do we do our tolerance? Because I think a lot of times people think it's just this free, like this blank check. Like just go do something. And it's like, that's just simply not what the epistles have to say. It's not what the apostles, through the epistles and through the gospels, have to say. It's not just do anything. There's a certain way to do things. And I think you even see that in the, in the Old Testament. An example I like to go to is when David wanted to bring the ark into Jerusalem. And he decided to do it in his own imaginative way. Like this parade and celebration that the ark was going into the city. Like I guess the capital city of mm -hmm. his people. And then, you know, uh, Uzzah. Yeah. <laughs> he ended up dying because he touched the ark. Yeah. And it's like, he was really kind of just making sure it wouldn't fall off. Mm -hmm. But, uh... Well, you know the whole thing behind that, right? What? Like, how they were carrying it? Yeah, they were not oh, supposed yeah, to yeah. do it that way. Yeah, it wouldn't have fallen if they were moving it the way... Ex which, it speaks exactly yeah. to your point. You know, right. it's like, a lot of us are just like, well, as long as we get the job done, and God's like, well, I've told you how to do the job. Okay, so I'm curious what your answers to those two questions are you know the, because yeah i'm okay i'm just curious as to what you said uh what is our calling as yeah. christians and we're saying the call the calling yeah. individual for all christians yeah okay and then the how right so the the calling is is an invitation to be part of the kingdom right so it's the calling is to be a kingdom that's, that's really what it is. Uh, but then, obviously, you can break that off. And I think we kind of did that already when we went automatically to ministry. But that's like a piece of the puzzle. Um, and then when you say how you do it, I mean, that's... These are questions that, you know, I still think about and contemplate. So it's not like I have a, a definite answer to, to the how. But it's just like, if we don't get the how, I think you just get a lot of what we get now, which is like what you're saying. Yeah, let's take a mission trip. And, mm. Yeah, but how are we supposed to be doing what we're calling mission trips, which is just foreign ministries, really? You know, how, why are we even doing it, you know? It's like Paul didn't just go out to, to explore and have an adventure, you mm. know, on a nice vacation. He was, uh, well, he was told by God to go out to the Gentiles to preach the word and to make the kingdom happen. And is, by by establishing churches, yeah, you're saying? Yeah, establishing yeah. churches and, and establishing churches, you know. And then protocols. strengthening them and, yeah. you know, going around. Yeah. And uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, so like, I think a point you made, well, I don't know if it was a point you were making, but you were talking about this, Sam, which is a good point. Uh, to make is like you have actually a lot of secular organizations or people who are not Christians who are doing a lot of things that we talked about mm -hmm. right so what sets us apart which I think goes back to holiness right what sets sets our ministry apart if it's if a non-christian can do it mm -hmm. you know what I mean like let's just think about that if a non-christian can do it then what what why was I called Right. It, you know, I mean, that's what I think about a lot is like if if a non-Christian can do this, 
then why did Jesus die for me to do that? Because he didn't die for this guy, at least so far. Right, that we, that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> die for him so far. Right. So <laughs> yeah. far as we know at the moment, right? So what's, you know, he said a lot of celebrities, whatever. And, and I'm sure there's like also this motivations in, in the heart that might not be in the right place. But at the end of the day, why are we feeding the homeless? Mm-hmm. Why are we going to, to the orphanages? Why are we adopting? You know, there has to be um, obviously benevolence because God, our father is a loving god and he Mm. sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous i absolutely agree i think it's an expression of love which means an expression of god um but if we get specific to not just us us humans but as us christians um what and how does that look like i I think you know to me the best example is going to be actually paul because paul's doing this thing after the fact of what Jesus had already done. And he's kind of, like you said, attaining, like you, I think it's Philippians 3, grasping for the thing that I yeah. didn't grasp for. Pressing for it. And pressing for it. And he says, follow my example. Yeah. Right in there. And it's like, uh, yeah, we, I think the our lives would be radically different because I don't think Paul's life was radically different just simply by choice, but because he had to do that. Mm. He had to be that way. Um, and I don't think that we really do that, honestly. And that also had a big impact on how he was willing to sound to the people that he was ministering to. Um, he was very... Uh, well, okay, you, you think of what he sounded like when he preached to the Jews who were like, okay, they have this vocabulary. They know what a Messiah is. They know who Abraham is. They know what a covenant is. And then the way that he talked to uh, the Gentiles at Mars Hill, at Athens, and it's like, okay, there's a difference in the way that he speaks, but he's bold in both. And in both, like you see him accepted by some and rejected, like you have people who accept him, people who reject him, and people who say, I'll I'll listen a little bit later. Like I'll 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 dip my toes yeah. back into this. Come back tomorrow. You know, into these waters. Um, so he was he was reasoning with people, but it's like he was bold in the things he was willing to say about who Jesus was, and uh, I think there can be for a lot of Christians, man. I think there's a cowardice. And a, a desire to do the nice things that even the world sees as nice things. So that it's like, oh, you know, that way we'll have the clout with the world that, uh, you know, that they'll like us enough to either tolerate us or maybe give us a hearing or something. It's like, oh, you know, we want the world to look at us and see us as being the ones who are, um, you know, adopting and, and um, you know, helping the homeless and the widows. And it's like, yeah but not so that they think positively of us and like they want to give us a high five and a hug and everything because I think the world should feel really weird about us because we should be the ones who are doing those things, but we should also be speaking so crazily like in their ears, things that just sound so bizarre and off the wall and crazy um, that it's like they don't have a, a category to sort us into. Um, and I think a lot of times we're willing to settle for just the niceness without the 
gospel. Right. And that's I, a that's a fear. For I me. think a struggle and for me personally is um, how much do you have a foot in this world and how much do you have a foot in the mm. world to come? Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily know right now. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if sometimes I'm being too you could say fanatical but like too extreme about about uh the foot how much you have a foot in the the world to come i don't believe that i don't believe that that's possible okay like uh you've heard people say the i don't know if you guys would have heard this phrase but like he's so heavenly minded that he's of no earthly good have you heard that or like you understand the sentiment and it's like i don't the idea is that you're you're thinking so much about heaven and the kingdom like your mind is so much there that you're of no earthly good. Like, you're not accomplishing anything in this world because your mind is so about, like, heaven and that. But it's like, I think if your mind is about heaven, if you have both feet in the world to come, like, you will be doing the things that will affect this world the way you need to. Like, Jesus wasn't like, oh, he's so concerned with the kingdom that he never feeds people with loaves and fishes or, like, heals the sick. It's like he was doing those things because of his understanding of the world to come. And it's like, if you if you live that life of both feet in the kingdom, then you might like foxes have holes, birds have nests. You might not. You might be homeless, and you might be called to like a a, a life in prison and a life of you know just martyrdom, those sorts of things. But you will be of earthly good. Like you, your problem won't be that you're too heavenly minded. Yeah. So, well, sorry. I, that was a lot to no, kind of. I think I interrupted you even. No, so. that's that was great because I. I'm oh, sorry. That's where I tend to go. Um, but it's like, uh, okay. So let's 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 be honest. I mean, I don't know a single person like that to be. Yeah. Honest. Personally, yeah. I think that's alarming. Or a church. Or or a that's church. like that. I mean, it's kind of like what David was saying about how. How sad is it that so many churches can find so much budget and time and resources and volunteers for all these other things, but then for the work that actually winds up being the work of the kingdom, it's like, oh, we might we might be able to find some money for that or dedicate a weekend a year to this or that. And, and I'll be transparent, you know, like why I'm not that way honestly has to do with... Uh, uh, well, you know, I, I, you, you've heard of the Enneagram? Oh, gosh, please, no, don't hold do on. this. Hold on. Don't do this, man. Hold on, hold on. Tell me you're Myers-Briggs. No, no, it has nothing, like, just to be, like, there's some value in it because, the, the, Travis, honestly, there's, you're designed, right? Yeah. So, they, you know, like, if someone can put print out kind of blueprints to your design. And people are different and everything. I just think that... Oh, Okay, you're probably not going to do this because you're not uh, cultishly possessed of ideologies, typically. But uh, I've seen a lot of people just use the Enneagram, and it becomes their vocabulary for how they talk about everyone and oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm just well, kinda, I'm tired of it. Yeah, but, but it's... But go it, ahead. Well, I was going to say is like it's, it's like... I'm a, an INTJ, and no, I'm just like that. No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say is that uh, it's similar to how, like... Calvinists in their cage stage it's anything new you find and you find it world shattering that's all you talk about yeah i mean like and that's, uh, that's why like with enneagram was it new wine and, and old wineskins i mean 
that's taking this from but but what i'm just saying that's, is that's what jesus is saying with that yeah but what i'm saying is like i understand why you're sick of it but it's just like it's because i mean some people yeah they take it to the extreme but it's because it's something you ask like oh so everybody so this is gonna be my whole okay life just right just go but what i was gonna it. say is that you learn about yourself in your tendencies with anything and one of the things that that it showed me was like uh something that drives me a lot motivates me is security mm. and i don't feel uh, i struggle feeling secure when it comes to god and trying to put both feet in that other world feel secure in like your welfare in this life in this no. world or no, no, secure no. in like god's that there will be that next life like he's promised oh yeah like you you struggle with doubt of whether any of yeah. this is real or not but i think that that could be probably most people i mean uh, it's either that or it has to do with with laziness i mean it's it's either those two because you're either afraid to put both feet in or you just don't feel like it and and that's that's what it, it seems like we're all struggling with it's either we don't feel like it or we're afraid and for me it's not so much that i don't feel like it because if I if I feel like I, it, that's like something that I feel like is 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 just a mood, as as not much as a disposition, whereas with the fear, of it, it's constantly there. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that because, a a phrase that I really like is, the way you live is what you actually believe. Right. What you say you believe is worthless. Like right. it does not matter at all, at all. But the way that you live, like that shows and communicates to people what it is that you actually believe. Mm -hmm. So when you say, like you struggle with doubt mm -hmm. over, you know, hey, what if I die and it's just like turning off the computer? Like there's nothing, there's nothing afterwards. Um, I think about that. I feel like I live day to day pretty confident that like you know my when i die like i'll be in the presence of my savior um who loved me and who gave himself for me like that's my only hope in life and death but yet here i am not in bolivia you right. know and so is that not betraying something about me that i apparently don't have confidence that were i to pr to pursue those things that god would see me through with you, my wife's health and do you keep else. mentioning Bolivia just as an example or because oh, I mean he's like his family's there oh, okay. and, and it just like if I was to go somewhere I feel like there would be doors open for me in Bolivia because I know his family and oh, like okay. I could plug in with their with their ministry it's what the second poorest country in the western hemisphere I speak a good bit of Spanish so I could get along and I I thought like if I was to just up and pack my bags one day and go somewhere for the sake of the kingdom that that's probably the place that it would make most sense to go right, right like right. there's a lot of poverty a lot of need i speak enough of the language and i have an in so that's why i keep going to bolivia okay well i, I just um, wanted to know it's curious yeah but yeah so here yet here we are and i don't think it helps that there isn't a community where people are just pushing you to you know encouraging you to do that whether it's I mean? foreign or homeless ministry right. or, or whatever it is yeah and, and when you go to church you sit and you you watch the show and then you talk about like how excited you are for the super bowl right mm -hmm. you know well remember uh we were talking friday about being in that college setting yeah and where there was that yeah and i don't think there was an accident that at that time there wasn't really this fear or apprehension because i was with 
a community of people where there was just constant encouragement. You're con- always talking about your future plans to do those yeah. things. And just even like your fears or whatever. And it's just, it was always there. It was what it, sh- what it should be outside of that context. And it's a very, I don't know, it's kind of mind, I don't think it's that mind boggling, but it's just strange that the only place you're going to find that I don't want to speak for everybody, but I would say commonly, um, is a Bible college. Is a Bible college, and not the, the churches. Yeah, that send you, and also you're going back to, you know, equip and help and strengthen. Um, and you, like you were talking on Friday, it is a struggle. Almost seems vain to try to make that happen in mm-hmm. a local body. <clears throat> Well, that's that's kind of where we ended on Friday. Yeah, is like how do you cultivate in a church the mindset that seems to be present in a Bible college, where it's like a bunch of people who are equipping themselves specifically for mission, and uh, it's like that's what every church should feel like. Is uh, you know, here's David, and like he's really passionate about. Uh, you know, Hebrew and Old Testament studies and all that because he wants to be able to, uh, you know, teach people the storyline of the Bible and, you know, teach them about the character and nature of God through that. And here's Sam, and he's really passionate about, um, you know, homeless ministry. And so what he does is like, you know, every, uh, you know, Tuesday and Friday, like he gets a group of people together and they go out and they uh, you know, provide food and toothpaste, you know, toothbrushes, things like that. And also they preach the gospel to homeless people. And uh, I, I mean, I know that we also go to a smaller church, which to me sounds just so weird <laughs> because I grew up in very small churches. And I think of CCC as not like a mega church, but, uh, you know, it's it's a lot larger than what I grew up going to. And then Nicole went to National Community Church in D.C., which is a church of, like, many thousands. Mm-hmm. And so to her, it's like, oh, CCC is this quaint little, you know, church in the heart of Central Florida. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a it's a smaller, it's a smaller church, but it is large enough. Every church is large enough that it could be doing more than it is doing. Like, I mean, it's like I said earlier, I just, I don't, it's not just that I don't see individuals that are living that sold out, radical, like gospel centered life. I don't see churches that do that either. And then when I, I, so David Platt, the guy who wrote Radical, when I see the way his church acts, they do so many things that I'm like, man, that is so cool. And I would love it if my church did that. And, uh, you know, granted they could obviously be doing more as well because we all could. But it's like, man, I'd love to implement even two or three of those ideas of things that they do. Like one thing they did is uh, their children's ministry. They told the kids like, hey, for this whole month, we're not like we want you guys to be on board with this. We're not going to have snacks all month. And we're going to take all the money that we would have spent on snacks and we're going to give it to this church in, I don't know, thinking, you know, Morocco or wherever it is. We're going to give it to that church so that they can buy food for you know, these families and all the kids were like, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Like, let's do this. And, um, I mean, there's probably some brats that was, was like, yeah, where's my chips, Ahoy. my chips, Ahoy, whatever <laughs> it is. I don't know. But, uh, just, Animal man, I, that, that, that idea is so cool. 
Um, that idea is so cool. And I just hear ideas like that. And I'm like, I would love to implement this, to implement this, to implement this. And then it's like some of them get going, but Mm -hmm. largely we just let a lot of energy uh, fall through the cracks. Well, when it comes to the, I mean, this could deal with the the church as a whole as well, but when it comes to the individual, I go back to my question of how, quote unquote radical are people really supposed to live like our because we all do play a different part in the body of christ right and going back to talking about calling you know people have different callings and scripture talks about people being called to to preach and teach or to be an evangelist and you know so it's like it gives these categories of things and it's like mm-hmm. so so if there is so if there are those categories how much should someone who doesn't you know, if you want to call it a gift or whatever, at least doesn't have the calling of being an evangelist, how much should they, what it would it look like for them to be evangelizing as opposed to someone who has the calling of evangelism sort mm-hmm. of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like how different or how radical should each person live or are some people just meant to live more simple lives in America as opposed to going to Bolivia or wherever else? That well, sort of thing. You know what I what's mean? What's the example? Like people always say, if if someone's stuck down a well... You know, you're either going to be the person who goes down into the well or the person who holds the rope. Right. You know, so it's like even if you're not the one who's going to a foreign field or whatever, like you should be providing support for those who do. That's a really good analogy. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. I came up with it myself just now. Really? No, no. I've been hearing that my whole life. That's pretty good. But it's like, you know, if if that's the case, I mean, even the, the life that I'm called to live here in America, if this is where I'm supposed to be, uh... Like I, I think sometimes, you know, should I buy this? And there are times that I honestly think like, okay, well, I'm going to choose not to buy this or not to, you know, start this ha- this hobby that could wind up being very expensive or or to, to take this trip or this vacation or whatever, whatever you know, it's like I'm going to choose not to do that because I know that the resources that I could devote to that could be spent, you know, in more kingdom-minded ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times that money just winds up being money in my account and sure it it wasn't spent on the hobby or whatever, but it's still stagnant. It's not like going out and being used to, uh, pay a missionary to go to an unreached people group and to plant a church there. Right. Well, and that thought process is always something that's great to have. I think we should all always be thinking about what each action we're taking is really meaning. Um, and if we're doing something for Christ or selfishly or whatever else, but that same thought process is, uh, that same thought process goes through the head of people who are on the mission field, Mm. you know, in other countries who are, you know, on, on the outside, it looks like they're doing more for the kingdom. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, they're still struggling with what they're doing. Well, they're there if, if if the time they're spending doing something in particular is, is proper, if they should be doing something else. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know, that's just tough because I know comparison is a really bad habit of people. Mm. And so it's like, it's something I've done, you know, as well, where it's like you compare yourselves to people that are maybe out you know, doing something that you're not doing. It's like, well, man, I should, I should be doing that. 
But it's like, well, maybe that's not the sort of thing you should be doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious about that. But I think as speaking more broadly with churches as a whole, we should be doing more things like uh, like Platt's Church and that sort of thing, where it's like we are making sure that the money that we're putting into our church is being used for kingdom work in the ways that we, you know, hopefully unified are agreeing to spend it on. To pursue yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Pursue. John, John Piper uses the phrase like uh, wartime mentality, mm. right? Like during World War II, people were like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll just buy one pair of shoes this year. And that way, you know, we can use the extra rubber for, you know, uh, lifeboats and tires for mm. the, you know, landing gear for the airplanes and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm fine making sacrifices so that, you know, the, the war can be fought. And it's like, we don't realize that we're in a war. Right. So we live like we're at peace. Right, right. So. I think it's always helpful to think about it as a, as a body working together. Mm. Because, you know, your hand does a lot, mm-hmm. but not without the, the muscle and the sinews that connect it. Right, right. That's what, what I was mean? trying to get at before, where it's like if each person has a different calling and we're all part of the body of Everybody Christ, has we're all the playing... same calling. Just well, a different part of that calling. Right. Well, right. yeah, he's using the word calling to mean like a specific ministry that they're right, equipped right. to do. But, like the, the okay, you have some shepherds and some teachers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, but I agree with you, though, yeah. that we all do have a centralized, like, calling that we're all... Well, I think maybe the, the whole idea that's popular and I guess... I don't know if it's popular around the world, but I know it's popular around in, in the West... Of the layman, I don't know if that really helps. What do you What do you mean? The idea that, uh, well, I'm not really, you know, set apart for ministry, so I'll just kind of help out, maybe financially or I'll volunteer mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like you're never gonna have the same effort. You're never gonna have the same mentality. Right. Right. You know, when we were in college, everybody was thought at least that they were called to ministry. And it was, you know, different types. You, know, you were missions and evangelism, preaching, youth ministry. Um, so it's like, but but the idea of like layman. Mm-hmm. Or like Paul, like you have a money-making profession, but you do, like you consider that your side hustle yeah. to fund your life's primary purpose, which is Commission. the furtherance of the gospel. Yeah. Right. You know? uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's... A lot of people have used Paul like, oh, he was a tent maker. And it's like, no, he wasn't really a tent maker. He was a missionary that yeah. made tents. That made tents. And, and he, it says there, once he had enough money, then he went back into... Yeah. And even when and that, he was... Man, that's that's the thing is, how much is enough money? Like, our idea as Americans of what constitutes enough money for, like, safety, security... Having savings. Like, yeah, we're we just... We think that it's measured in the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, I, you know, Jesus could also be like, hey, here's <laughs> here's everything everybody needs, yeah, that, you yeah. know, around me. But, uh, you know, make... he didn't do that. He didn't turn the stones to bread for himself. He did it to, to bless others. But, um, like, even with, with Paul, it's like, what's the, what did he view as enough? And he totally turned his back on a very lucrative position as like an official for the pharisee uh you know detainment squad that would go into cities like he 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 
all of that clout, all of that, like, man, I'm a, I'm a Benjamite. I was born, you know, of, of I was, I've been a the part of the strictest sect of the Pharisees since my birth. And then he's like, and it's all rubbish. Like, it's all just the refuse of, of the world. You know, it's like, I count all that stuff loss compared to like that I might know God mm-hmm. and the the familiarity with his sufferings even, you know. Um and we're like, well, you know, but once I get my house paid off or once I, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I, I don't think it's wrong for people to have any amount of savings necessarily. But, man, we think that we need way more of a safety net than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, it just feels like we're in a system in this country that is very difficult to break off of. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hard to turn our backs on that security. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, to live differently. Yeah. You know, if you want to live differently in this country, it just seems... Where do you where do you start? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I don't I won't put money away for retirement. Um, but like, I'm just thinking like if you just decided to get like a no big deal part time job, where are you gonna live with that? And maybe you could pool with other believers and live in a place. But then it's like, how do you support if you end up getting married and if you have children? How do you support all that? And not be like taking money from the government. It's uh, and it's. I mean, it's like. It's like a same thing as missionaries do. It's just getting support from. Well, that's don't get me started on that because I I do not like how missionaries have to do that. I think it's some dumb. But do you think that the alternative is? The alternative, I think they should just be supported by a home church. Okay. One home church. Like one church supports them. Fully. Yeah, they don't need to go out to several. So you think uh, every church should have like one missionary that they support? Fully. However many they can. Have, however many. You know, they like can, whatever yeah. makes sense. But yeah. Let me tell you why they don't do that. All right, so that's like putting all your eggs in one basket. All right, so there were a couple of missionaries in Bolivia who did that. They had one church that did that. Well, their church decided not to do it anymore. Not to support them anymore. Then yeah. they just lost all their money. Like they they're living now. No, like you. I get that. So. Yeah. It, it, I understand. Yeah. But like, I think it's good, like you know, have a better like relationship. But you just you can't just put you can't put. But all that, and that's an indictment here. on the churches. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is, but, but at just, the same time, it's like we don't live in. Yeah. we don't live in the should land where where churches never close their doors and churches never give up their missionaries. It's like yeah. I do kind of see a point in that, but I get that it's a frustrating reality. You know, yeah. like maybe even if you had like three churches. So that way, if one of them dropped you, you know, you could spend some time to get another. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I know Singapore is very tiny, but that is just the way it works in Singapore is if you're a missionary, your home church supports you 100% of everything you need. In in Singapore? Yeah. Yeah. It's also an incredibly wealthy country. (laughs) Exactly. That's another thing. It's small and they're wealthy there, but... But like I worked with the Singaporean family in Japan and they they actually lived in a pretty nice place too. And it's like, it's Japan and that's an expensive place. But like their home church was able to support them 100%. That's awesome. It's like, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, here's, here's a question that kind of goes along with this. Let's say that you're a missionary 
how big would your house have to be before you start started feeling like I don't know if guilty is the right word, but guilty. Uh, you know? how many kids do you have? Let's say let's say it's me and Nicole, and we have two kids. Okay, it, it that's kind of a nonsense question because if I say, oh, how many dollars of a house? It's like, well, you know, sixty thousand dollars American will get you a great house yeah. if you're a missionary in Thailand, and it won't get you anything here. Yeah. So, um, it's so... like, what? How how large would you have to be living before you're like? Man, I feel like I am misappropriating kingdom funds here. Right. Not large at all. So there was uh, eleven kids. Uh, my dad and mom. We had three bedrooms. Payments. Dang. All six uh, guys lived in one bedroom. All five girls lived in the other. Wow. That's it. <laughs> that was we. I don't think we. Like I said, I don't think it needs to be big at all. That's uh, brilliant. I think missionaries like you're going there not to like it's gonna be tough. And like you, I think you're going in there not to live a luxury life. You're there is too so um if you wanted to live in a nice house then stay in america did you, you there but you do not need do you need to, to live among the people is that necessary i i i, I think that's important i think but do you understand is, like permanently live among them so what uh, what we did was we lived we did we had first we we moved into the house and we moved into the apartment then we moved to another house um and we live, yeah, like 10, 15 minutes from, like, where we do our ministry, where they live on the streets and stuff. Right, but I mean, I don't mean, like, never to live amongst them. What I mean is to permanently live. Like, oh, like, stay in the mission, like, stay in Bolivia forever? Yeah. Yo, that's why my parents, uh, well, my parents' goal right now is to, they're not, they, their plan is not to retire. They want to stay in Bolivia forever. Empty nestles staying in Bolivia. Right. I'm just, I just don't know if that's, like... Yeah. Necessary. I, I, I just, I don't think, I, I don't know any missionaries who live in really nice houses, who drive really nice cars. No, they just, because that's not their priority. Well, I will say when I, not... when I went to Paraguay, which is very comparable to Bolivia in a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's like the missionaries lived in houses that by American standards would not be considered great or large or lavish or anything. Um, you know, so compare it maybe to like the house that I live in you know, right now, um, but by Paraguayan standards, it's like, man, this guy's got it made in the shade. And, you know, also the, the house where I was staying was right across the street from a house that was owned by a drug lord, and it was, like, massive, beautiful, oh, nice. like, had this huge gate around it and everything, and uh, not right across the street, but right down the street from it. And um, anyway, but... Even living in a house that was not really impressive by American standards, uh, like I, I went into a lot of these Paraguayan houses and it was like a one room brick house that had a curtain hung down, you know, the middle of it. And that separated the bedroom from the living room. And then it's like, you know, there was an outhouse and a tin, a tin roof and uh, a dirt floor in many of them. Uh so, and then I go into my house where I was staying with the missionaries and it's like tile, air conditioning, um, you know, like several different rooms. I'm trying to think like probably one, two, three, four bedrooms and maybe three bathrooms and a kitchen and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, by American standards, this is a below average house, you know, but I'm like, what must the people there think? 
I, I, that's really an honest question. I don't know what the people there think about the, the fact that their pastor lives in what to many of them is just an unattainable mansion. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was the missionary, his wife, and they had one daughter. Um, so. I don't know if any of these questions are really dealt with, you know? Yeah, not explicitly. And I, I think it might have to do with the heart of the individual, the heart of the church, the sending church, you know, um, the established church that's in the mission field, maybe what they're comfortable with. But I just, I, I feel like there are far, far fewer people erring on the side of poverty than on the side of luxury, yeah. you know. Well, and now, so for the Philippines, we stayed, we actually did stay in a decent house but like we shared it with like 50 other people <laughs> we, we, we were in a guest house so like mm. we would never have the house so we would always have people there or like did you ever feel like you had privacy ever growing up nope there was no privacy at all oh. and all the brother shared a room all the sister shared a room did we shared uh did you share underwear sometimes <laughs> uh yeah dang dude there was one time, yeah, five of us shared, we had one bathroom, one bathroom, so two bathrooms. All the kids shared one bathroom, parents shared the other bathroom. Dude, that That's dope. Miserable. Like, hey, me and my wife will take this bathroom, yep. and then our 11 Let, yeah. children. That doesn't seem share. fair. <laughs> yeah. Life's not fair. Yeah, it's life's not fair. Yeah, fun. That's fun <laughs> what I asked him. Life's not fair. It's like, if you guys want this, go buy a, buy a better house for us, and we'll move there. But. Or just for yourself, you know, you and some of your brothers can yeah. go. Rent but honestly, yeah, yeah, I think I'm glad they did that just because, like, hey, like, we're not living in America, guys. It's gonna be tough, even for. Yeah, no wonder you spend so much time in your room. You're just like, finally, <laughs> actually, <laughs> glorious it privacy. Is. It, I, I, I love having my own, but sometimes I do miss it just because, like, just talking with my brothers with the talk all the time, and then like, privacy. It's like I realize, like, wow. Mm. It's freaking great. <laughs> I can uh, wear my pajamas inside out. I was bothered just having to share a room with my sister for a while when I was younger. Uh, oh, yeah. Thankfully, mm. that, that uh, changed later on when we got older, but still, just sharing it with one sibling. Yeah, man, yeah. I would share I don't mind it. I never shared a room. Yeah. My room was super tiny growing yeah. up. Sam remembers it. But, uh,. Yeah, it was mine. My own little cave. So, let's all move to Bolivia. I think is the consensus, Specifically, right? Bolivia is all of our callings. That's what you, you're uh, Well, we all have one calling, Sam. <laughs> and it's do. Bolivia. <laughs> we should do, um... So, you just could start working on my dad's ministry. So... Oh, you know, have I ever told you the story? Like, how we started doing our ministry? Nope. So, originally, we went to Bolivia, and uh, we were, my dad was going to be a pastor at his church. We were going to work with orphanages. Mm. Now, but like now, our main goal is building houses, building churches, okay, uh, for the homeless, um, working with like building orphanages. How it all started is shout out to my brother Ben. Um, so we were walking down the street, and this lady uh, was pouring down rain, and she, she was on the streets feeding her child. And my brother Ben saw it. He went home, bought like a huge top, and like and put it over her head, mm. and like and, like a stick. And my dad saw that, and he just gave, just gave him inspiration, like, 
that's gonna be our new thing. We're gonna start building mm. houses for mm. people like that. Mm. And so that's how it started. It's because my brother did one small thing and just expanded. And so and that's why I tell like so in Bolivia, um I, I actually uh, in my youth group I actually uh spoke like I was a speaker but like I spoke they let me speak a couple of times and I'll just like give a, a lot of encouragement to the missionary kids there with me and I was like just guys just think about this 12 people 12 disciples changed the world like how how encouraging is that 12 people changed literally changed everything I was like just imagine like what like 15 of us could do I, I would argue that Jesus changed oh, the world. <laughs> Talk to your help. When one person. No, well, 11. Well, 11. Actually, yeah, it is 11. I was uh, 13. Yeah. But you know what I'm trying to get. You know what I'm going at. Yeah. Well, you see. And we also work with like orphan kids. I, who I actually do miss. I really don't understand. Something that always, like, there's a question is. Again, this whole benevolence ministry kind of thing. Like, yes, you're building houses, but how come I just don't see that kind of command or push from any any of the writings in the New Testament? It was really more about get this message out to the people, and it's just like if we just spent enough time doing that. Well, like, why why can't you do both? Well, we do. Yeah. Like, well, do, what, do you think that there's anything commission e of the statement of Jesus that it's like, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Like, do you think that there's a commission uh, included in that? Like, that we should be providing food and uh, benevolence to those who are in need? I mean, it's, it's, is that the ministry or is that just a disposition you have as a Christian? I, I think that that's the disposition you will have as a Christian, but it's all, it also winds up being an aspect of the Christian life. You know? So, like, why do we have to go to Bolivia? Why don't we just build houses here? I, I would say largely because what we mean when we say poverty and we're talking about America and what you see in Bolivia or Haiti or, you know, like other third world countries is radically different yeah. well I, I mean i know i mean in mexico i've never seen anything like that before but here's here's the thing so like i remember uh talking to uh your current pastor and his friend and he was really big on the idea of human flourishing have you heard of that term the friend the friend but like okay purpose. yeah i've heard the term and i really don't like it right it's but, like people flourish when they know god but that's my whole point yeah. It's like so then like yeah you know if 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 we have time for it let's build a house but like that's not our main goal right okay so here, here's the thing our main and, goal and was, i'm not just picking on no, that. no i know that i know you're not example. but like i think the main goal i guess to do this but like you have to understand like let's look at their point of view okay so this guy's telling me about jesus okay wow thanks for telling me about jesus my life still sucks be and warmed gonna... and filled yeah. also but instead know? we were like build helping them out and now now that's what they see they're like okay well other people millions other a bunch of like catholics and jehovah witnesses people coming up to me and telling me about this stuff why should i believe the same guy who's telling me 
but the same God. But instead of the Christians, these people who are Christians are helping. You can out to see them working and help, trying to help out. And like that, it, that's, that goes a long way of like if, if I wasn't a Christian, I was sitting on the street and a bunch of people came up to me, a Jehovah Witness and a Christian guy came up to me. I want to believe the Christian guy more than I would believe the Jehovah Witness guy. Like <laughs> I, I want to believe the guy who's willing to help me and who would try to make my life better. All right, so let me do a pushback, kind of a devil advocate pushback, okay? Because are you? I think a negative outcome of that is that you're teaching people that suffering is, like, not to suffer, like, avoid suffering. No, I'm not, because they well, all suffer. Oh, 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 mm. Yeah, but what did you do? You just alleviated no, we No, we did not. I promise you. They you're taking a step to alleviate their suffering. Yes, but a tiny step. Dude, this is, I promise you, listen, listen. Me building a house for them, it's like, honestly, like this much of a step. Their life still is garbage. He's, still he's like, making small gestures with yeah, his fingers. I would, like, I would, still, I think having a house yeah. is a huge step. Yeah, okay, okay, like, okay. Well, no, shelter is one of the, yeah, yeah shelter's one of the, big. Like, right, but, like, but, these, but I'm not, I'm not saying like that all their suffering is leaving, but here's, here's what I'm trying to say. You said, oh man, my life sucks. Why should I believe in you? It's like, okay, but you're a Christian, right? And your life sucks, right? Do my life you doesn't suck. My life sucks. I think I'm, I'm content. Okay, so life. let's say your life does suck. Okay. <laughs> Do you stop believing in God? Okay, but I was a Christian. I am a Christian. Those people aren't Christians. You're, you're right, but you are you a Christian because God made your life like... I'm a Christian because someone, my parents helped me. Right, no, but and is it because me. they made your life better? And what I mean by better is there's less suffering in it? Or are you a Christian because you believe... In what Jesus said and did, or right, you're well, a Christian because the Holy Spirit set His sights on you. But like, let's look at this. Well, it's I like, mean, who's gonna? So many, yeah, but like, I'm just saying, you... like, do, are you believing because of what and who Jesus is and what He did, or do you believe because, hey, uh, my life got better as soon as I was, I, I was introduced to Jesus? Like, it got better in the sense that uh, I wasn't in either emotional or physical pain as much. All right. Well, okay. Hang on. Let's look at this. These guys' points of view. So these Bolivians, days without eating, the kids are freaking dying because yeah. they're, they're eating dirt. Yeah. I got a lot more important stuff to take care of my family than for me to listen to someone speak. But if they're gonna, but I'm thinking of their point of view. And I'm, I want to say something, but I'm not gonna say on the podcast because I feel like it might be a little. Tell me after. Yeah, is it breaks? No, no, <laughs> no. no. Um, but I don't know. it's Zorro. very. I just think like these guys. They're not. They're not going to listen to someone who's talking about the gospel, when they got a lot more important things to do. But let, but if they get help, then you're investing in their life to get better. Yeah, I, well, I, I see kind of where Eric is coming from, where it's like you don't just want to be the church that comes along and offers the best bribe. And then it's like people it's like, oh, OK, well, the Catholics, you know, didn't help me in the Jehovah's. But then these guys, they come around and help me. So, like, I'm going to. But at the same time, it's like that it really should just be an outflowing of the grace of God and the fact that God has made us so stinking rich. You know, it's like we we can do this. So if my brother is hungry or cold and I have all this wealth and I'm like, 
hey, here's the gospel, and I really do care about you, and I want to see you come to the Lord, and then you don't do anything to help them with their other, you know, plain physical needs, then I think that it, whether the person has a bad impression of you or not, it's like you're just neglecting to do something that it seems like the scripture calls us to do. Well, okay, so let me, again, with my pushback, all right, Jesus did a benevolent thing by, um, I think it was, I'm trying to just make sure. 5,000? Yeah, but I want to make sure in John's account that's what it was. But not, it was. And they were there, and I said that they believed. Yeah. Right? But And then. He actually preached the message. And then. They didn't. They left. They yeah. left. And so they were in no better position. And I don't think that that was the whole point of Jesus doing the feeding. Yes, he had compassion on the people. But it's like the benevolence. One, I think you've been hitting on it. Like we are called to be benevolent, I think, in general. But um, especially to one another. But to one another are people who already believed the message anyways. So you don't really see Paul. There are points in, in scriptures that talk about like obviously uh don't just say uh you know god be with you or whatever like if you mm -hmm. have a code or whatever offer it but you don't like i think the real blessing and benevolence isn't in alleviating suffering as much as giving the gift of community so you're saying I, like how if if someone if, so you're going to a guy in bolivia homeless dude um that's no food. So you go up to him, preach up to him about the gospel. Yeah. And that's it? Like, okay, hey, man. He accepts Jesus. Well, it depends right. on why I'm there. So it's like, if I'm if I'm there to plant a church, it certainly won't be just preach the gospel and see you later. I'm going to have to do community with this guy. Yeah, you can do both. What do you mean, do both? Preach the gospel and build the church. If that's why Wait, I'm why, there. Why else huh. would you be there? What You're if saying? I was just traveling in Bolivia? Oh, you don't want to travel in Bolivia. Well, I'm just why saying, would like, why if, if I was just... Yeah, then it, it might just be like you preach the gospel to him. I mean, I, th I think you can still help him on his way without, you know, settling down there and starting a new life in Bolivia. But, uh... But, but here's my thing. is like, if the person only starts to believe and be like, hey, you know, this, this word might be genuine because this guy fed me or something like that. It's like... I don't see that yeah. really being... But they're, they're willing you don't, to listen. You don't believe that anyway, Eric. What? Yeah. You don't believe that that's why he's going to believe. Uh, are you talking about, like, we're going back to our Calvinistic... Sure. And, okay, how about this? You'll, you know, this might talk you into a good deed. Because, like, you're a good angry Calvinist like I am. <laughs> it's like, okay, you offer the bread or you build the house and the person, you know, like uh, John, was it John 6, right? Uh, you offer the bread... And they're like, oh, great, you know, I'll, I'd love to come to church with you. And then they come to church and, like, uh, you know, they hear the gospel. Oh, yeah, I went in on this. And they, they're there and they get fed and everything. And then eventually they hear something like the, uh, you know, the seed that's sown among the, what, uh, shallow soil. And it's like, well, I have no depth in me. I'm scorched. I'm offended. Like, I'm out of here. Right? How about this? The bread will one day rise up and give witness against them. That this is a grace that God showed them, and they spat in God's face. So the house that you build for someone will be used by God as evidence against them in the judgment. Like, yeah, but even like the rain, you know. 
Yeah. No, and I, so I totally agree on that point. But what I'm saying is, as far as our, our the way that we minister the word, I don't see that focus outside, you know, when it comes to... What, what, what do you mean, the way we minister the word? Who's we and... Christians. Okay, so that focus being houses and food and that stuff? Yeah, benevolent ministry. Because I, I think it's actually kind of... I think of, it's going to accompany it. I, I think, but that's what I'm trying to say is like, I think it's actually kind of criticized. That, Go that, ahead. That, uh, like Jesus was saying, you only believed because I gave you bread. You know what I mean? You only believe because I did something good. That's that's what you're out there for is, is to get something good. Yet I'm, you know, what I'm preaching you is truth and you're rejecting it. But like you still you give them the bread. Right? Um, like uh, Agabus, he goes, hey, you know, our, our buddies down there in Jerusalem, like there's about to be a famine. Sucks to be them. Like, but no, he's like, let's take up a collection and, and well, he, you know, help he prophesied. Them. Yeah. But yeah. But, but then what do they what does the church opt to do? But that's what I'm saying is that the church they don't already, go well in suffering and starving to death. They'll be more like Christ. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the church already believes. So that's not that problem. What I'm talking about is going to people that don't believe. And so like Paul, you know, wasn't like going, you know, to the, uh, is it the Acropolis? Yeah. Okay. And, and just being like, hey, man, uh, you look like you can have a meal. Let's have a discussion and I'll buy you lunch or whatever. There's no discussion. There's not. There's nothing like that. And it wasn't like to the Jews or to the Gentiles, hey, you know, I built a bunch of tents for you guys. You know, if you guys will just come down to where I made my tents, I'll give you a free tent if you allow me to preach the gospel to you. It's nothing like that. I know. But do you think so it it's is... like, it seems like we're Americans, we value materialism. And so we're using materialism in our preaching. And I'm like, is that, there's, there's no negative outcome I, to that. I just. Maybe you're reading something into uh, I mean, I, I'm not hearing in David's uh, propositions the idea of a bribe. You know, I see where it can be. No, um, it's not a bribe. I know. Yeah. But it's this idea of, hey, come to our side. Like, we have benefits and we have uh, roofs to offer and we have bread to offer. Uh and so it's like they'll they'll come there because of the security. I I think you're reading that into a place where it doesn't necessarily uh where it's not a necessary inference. Alright. Uh I just like I wanna make sure this is obvious. Like I'm not saying we go to people and like, oh hey, like if you become a Christian, we'll feed you and build you a house, blah blah. No, I'm not like I'm saying that. Um I also wanna point out that I should have said this. Is that we only build houses for people who are Christians, who mm. have accepted Jesus as their savior. But we do. But I'm not saying we don't like go to people, homeless people, and like give them food and talk to them. Because I think that is a good way of like approaching someone, um, or just like praying over them. But like people who who have accepted Jesus, uh, we 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 invest more in their life and try to make their lives better. And because they use the answer they do, our friend Teo, he, he came down to Florida. Um, he's a brother in Christ. We built him a house, and he uses that house to bring his friends in. And they have like Bible studies, and he brings like homeless people in and stuff like that. Um, but I I don't see a pro I don't see a problem of like going to unbelievers and just like 
taking bringing them food and stuff and i i just that's just really hard for me to believe like okay paul might have not done that but doesn't mean that that is the right only right way to do it like, he might not have done it but that doesn't mean like god's not going to look at me like oh david no you can't do that no i'm, I'm gonna start no i i just don't think well i mean i i have done and still will do that kind of ministry like uh, two weeks ago we went to homeless in orlando and we were giving food and goodies for them and talking to them and praying because i know especially the homeless they're so forgotten that just having a conversation is like a blessing to them um so it's not like i haven't done it or don't even like doing it it's just i sometimes think is it just going to be a distraction because I have seen that, where it is just a distraction. And it's like, when I just look at Paul, or, you know, you look at Acts, and the way they went about things, they was just purely trying to get the message out, and then going from there. And it's like, if you didn't listen because you didn't believe, or, you you know, you weren't sure, it's like, hey, well, I'm going to go to the people who are listening. Just the word. It's just yeah. the word is compelling them. It sounds like what you said, like it's, you said earlier on this podcast, you said, yeah. um, you told Sam like, oh, what oh, what's the difference between unchristians doing this and Christians doing this? Yeah. Like, you could say the same thing for now, like, well, Mormons are going to, You're right. going yeah. Christians are going to, like, this is the same thing, but what are we doing that's different? Like, and I think, one, I honestly feel like we care a lot more. <laughs> than a lot of other religions i'm not gonna I mean, be honest like i i honestly do think so i think they're doing it for their own benefit because it they get rewards from it yeah um, and a lot of them believe they're doing it to garner favor with yeah. god like they're trying to earn enough good boy points to not go to hell or yeah. purgatory i think christians who really do care about stuff with vitamins because they honestly do care about other humans and, and loving them it, loving them yeah and that is like just showing a well, well, that's a characteristic well, of well, that is like, who God is. is I think like, it's just 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 as human beings. I think that's just a great way, just like showing your affection. Right. So I do believe that. I think the main difference would be what we preach. Yeah. You know, yeah. like instead of just what we're doing is is what we preach. Um. So, but just to me, it's like. I. Th- Man, I see it so often where there is like, we're going to go preach the word, but it's never just go preach the word. We're going to bring food or we're going to do this or we're going to, you know, we went to Mexico. Yeah, we're preaching the word. We were also building roofs on top of people's houses. Was there a need for that? Absolutely. I mean, I saw people who were building houses out of pallets. Right, but we see like, you're saying like that was the focus more than it was well the world to us as 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 college kids you know yeah of course they're going to tell us the focus is the word you know it's god the focus is god let's just put it that way but it's like i'm not really concerned with how i'm taking or how my 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 buddies in college to go to ministry in a bible college are taking it because they're in a bible college they're they're reading the bible we're we're focused on this all the time i'm just talking about the normal person who's never either met a Christian or never read the word or whatever, how are they taking it, you know? And it's like, I want to build that roof. I want to change their life in that way. 
because it really freaking sucks that you live in the middle of a desert and you don't have a roof over your head or the roof that you have keeps the heat in <laughs> sorry yeah. you know what i mean it's like this is terrible like of course there's something in us that's like there's a problem and you want to fix it you know like if it was Oh, that's just human, eh? Like you it, just want, like, it, but that's my humans. point. That's human. That's that's a general design of God in humans, I think. Right. But what about the Christian? But you you could have both in that one, right? Christian and having a human. My whole desire. my my one question I keep asking is, it you know like yeah, I think about doing something is like if a non-Christian could do it, then why did Jesus die for me to do it? What can I do that you know through Jesus' death? the work of God that only I can do as a Christian that nobody else in the world and I don't mean as an individual I just mean as a Christian but, uh, just I think just how how you how you see things is just is completely different yeah, I would, I mean, how, well like how yeah you, how you speak here's the thing like Christianity is not the only religion that's come up with benevolence it's not the only right. religion that's come up with forgiveness it's not the only religion that's come up with charity right but if you're not a Christian, everything you do is sin, right? Because everything that's not born of faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So there is a distinct difference between a Christian who understanding the gospel and understanding the truth of like the hopelessness of mankind and that they're not doing this to garner favor with God. There's a, a distinct difference between that person um, you know, offering a loaf of bread or building a roof on a house and any Hindu or Muslim or Jehovah's Witness or Mormon doing it, even if that Hindu just says, oh, I, I'm, I'm just doing it out of the goodness of my heart, right? So there's a, there's a qualitative and a categorical difference in the act. Um, but, I mean, I, I just... I feel like the only thing I have left to say on this issue is kind of what I said earlier. I don't think any of us are in a position where we're doing so much benevolence right. that we're neglecting to preach the gospel or that we're preaching the gospel so much that we're neglecting to enact yeah. benevolence. It's like yeah. for all of us, both dials have way more numbers clockwise on them for us to turn them to. Right. But I'm, I'm all I'm saying is does the way we do benevolence attaching to the preaching like at the same time does it distract from the preacher yeah and i'd say ministries and ministers need to be careful so as to do it in such a way that it doesn't um in an ideal setting you know the ideal church should be trying to do that and then i also know like God will use even broken methods and, you know, pastors who are just getting it wrong and, you know, sweet little old ladies who are just doing it in a wrong and distracting way. Like, God will use even those methods to bring about his ends. Like, um, Dan, on Friday, he was talking about Tim Mackey. Do you know the full story of, like, how he came to Christ and the skate park thing? No. It's like there was a church that had a skate park, uh, you know, out behind its parking lot on church property and it was like the skate park was open from uh like six to eight and then uh and everybody was welcome to come and then at eight o'clock they had like a devotion and 
if you stuck around for the devotion, you could keep skating until 10. Okay? And I look at that, and Tim Mackey looks at that, and you probably look at that and go, wow, that's like kind of a weird, misguided, like, attempt at, okay, but then, you know, God winds up using it. Now, that doesn't mean that should be our aim. You know, we should be aiming at the ideal. But um, if we wind up doing something that's less than ideal, one, I, I think God can very well still use it. Not that that's what we should be aiming at. And two, I think we, especially as Americans, have enough wealth left over that even if we wind up getting taken advantage of here and there, and like if, if we wind up getting exploited for our benevolence ministries, we don't really suffer a loss that is comparable to, um, the, well, that's, that's worth regarding, I guess. So it's like I, I'd rather be doing it imperfectly than theorizing about how to do it perfectly and then just not doing it. Which, like you said, you know, you're you're going out and ministering to the homeless. And, like, David, you're reaching out and trying to, you know, connect with places and, uh, you know, get involved. And I hope that that's something that you continue to do. And, like, you know, we're, we're ministering through our, our uh, church. But, yeah, that that's basically the—that's where I land on all of this is, like— I, I I know that what we're doing here is theorizing, and we're trying to come up with the ideal. Uh, but I think that for my life, I'm just neglecting so much. I uh, <clears throat> I just got one more question. It's a really short answer. Who do you who do you think is cuter? <laughs> who do you think should go on like this mission trip? Do you think anyone who wants to, or like? In my opinion, what my dad would do is like so after a couple of times he just got tired of it because people would just go in and just goof around. He's like, goes to the pastor of the church and like, hey, I'm trusting you to decide who goes. You pick the people. Hmm. If anyone wants to go, then you pick the people who you say yes to. Who's going to go in there for the right reasons, not just to you know say, oh look at me. And so, I do who, like who the do idea, think? like you know, with the youth. I do like the idea of telling them, okay. If you go on this mission trip, you're not going to be able to post anything about it on social media. <laughs> Just to thin out the herd, I guess. Um, but I, I think that's, I think that I think, like, have the pastor decide. If anyone's going out, the pastor's going out. Like, you, you, no, not you, you. Hmm. People who are willing to, not just to do it, just because of the experience. Yeah. Neat. So, that, that was fun. That was yeah. fun, actually, yeah. We feel like we're all uh, popped out. Yeah, yeah. We've settled the issue. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no. No, I, I, uh. We got our talks out. Yeah, we got, we got our main points out. And, like, I sympathize with a lot of what, you know, both you guys and Sam as well, you know, have been saying, and, and Eric, I don't want to uh, kind of, for lack of a better word, like to hoe out the gospel so that people have, right, you right know, s- that, that people see it as something that they can kind of get something out of, and then they're like, okay, yeah, I'll take Jesus if Jesus comes with a house, if Jesus comes with bread, if Jesus comes with, you know, some type of financial um, security. <clears throat> like, 
that's that's not our our goal as Christians. Yeah. Um, I think that when we do benevolence, it's out of an overflow. I, for the record, think we're all pretty much on the same page. Yeah. This was just theorizing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Neato. Well. Cool. See you in Bolivia. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to Bolivia. So <laughs> tune in next time. In Bolivia. Bye. <laughs>